right, welcome everyone to a special edition of APS Radio. Uh, I am Jim Bernica. I'm the host of APS Radio on Fire Engineering and also the 25 Live podcast. And uh, I'm here with Diane Cotter. Diane was asked to participate in this National Firefighter Cancer Symposium in 2021. And uh, they wanted her to do slides and all that stuff. And that's not what she does. So I am her slides, essentially. So with that, welcome, Diane. Uh, otherwise known as the, that crazy lady from Massachusetts, right? Thank you, Jim. Thank you. And I really want to also thank the First Responder Center for Excellence and my friend, Dr. Alberto Caban Martinez of the Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center for this opportunity. We're really glad to be able to give you our story today. All right. Well, perfect. Well, let's start with how this story started. And that's with your husband, Paul. Yes, Paul was a lieutenant, had just been promoted to lieutenant of the Worcester, Massachusetts Fire Department in 2014, uh, after serving almost 25 years on the rescue that he so loved. And um, we had just come back from our vacation in Maine and uh, we're going to Paul's promotion in City Hall. And uh, one month later, we had found out that Paul had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. He had no symptoms. He had no family history, um, but it did end his career. And because of the side effects of the surgery, and um, that has been pretty much the starting point of where we were began to look at what could have been the potential cause Paul was so well known for his physical fitness and so well known for being that salty firefighter that liked to engage everyone to work out with him. Um, so yeah, that's where it began. So you, you started to seek answers. Where did this cancer come from? Yes. Where did, when did you figure out that it might actually be the gear that Paul's wearing? Well, that is just a fascinating turn of events because while Paul was recuperating from surgery in 2015, I began looking at the actual um, components of the gear itself. We were very familiar with firefighter cancer because every firefighter family is very familiar, as you now know yourself, Jim. And what happened was I found a 1999 recall from the labor union from the IAFF about a breathe text say a moisture barrier and it didn't surprise me about the moisture barrier recall what surprised me was the manufacturer's reaction to the labor union wanting a recall they didn't want to recall the products and that was kind of like the first thing that sent this big hmm down my spine about well what is up with the manufacturers here that then led to finding a, a product with degradation of the Kevlar and the Nomex, as was the case of a New Jersey firefighter who was unfortunately steamed. Um, his led to his steam burns led to his 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 death, and I began reaching out to environmentalists, scientists, firefighters because I actually was prompted by that that. Um, Re revelation to look at Paul's own gear 
and I looked in the groin area of Paul's gear and saw these big quarter and dime pieces of fabric missing. I had to shine a light, a flashlight through the gear to actually find these missing pieces. And I began reaching out to firefighters, environmentalists, and one of the environmentalists that I reached out to was Erin Brockovich. And she returned my um, email. Uh, one day I got a call from her and she said, I'm calling because I wanted to ask you about firefighter cancer. I just received a call from a New Hampshire fire chief with 13 firefighters. And my response was really um, not something I'm proud of, but I said, well, every firehouse is a cancer cluster. She was first to ask if the gear contained PFOA or PFOS, which I had never heard of. It literally took less than 30 seconds to Google and find that Europe was already transitioning, a potential tra uh, transition that is, to non-PFOA PPE. That then led me to start to post on social media, does Agia have this? Do you people know if Agia has this? And then I began reaching out um, to my husband's labor union. And one of the parties that I reached out to, or one of the parties that saw me was a, a now a dear friend, Jason Burns from Fall River. Jason had just lost 230 year old firefighters to rare brain cancers. Jason then took on the role of trying to work with me to find out what was happening within the labor union on the uh, PFOA issue. Um, he brought it to the IAFF Legislative Week in March of 2017. And I think that they were taken by surprise um, because it appeared as though they, the IAFF did not know that this was actually a cause of concern in Europe. All right. Let's fast forward to March of 2017 when you write the real Cancer in Your Gear article and that gets published. And oh, I know at this point in time, it's been downloaded tens of thousands of times, but can you talk, talk to me about that article and, and then really the fallout of that article? Yes, the real cancer in your gear. Um, I had been trying to message any type of fire service that I could um, through Facebook Messenger. I'd send out 200 messages a day and then I'd get kicked off of Facebook for the day. But then I'd start up again the moment that I was out of Facebook jail. And one of the parties that I wrote to was John Marr, editor of Station Pride. And he said, I don't know if you're crazy or what, but write me an article. And I said, well, I'm not a writer. He said, you don't have to be. I am and I'll help you. So I wrote John a very long article and he said, I can't publish this, Diane, it's way too long, but I can't leave anything out either. He said, but I have to fact check everything you say. I can't put myself in danger and I can't put you in danger if, if what you're saying is not accurate. So he did, he came back about, we'd go back and forth a number of times and he would then publish the real cancer in your gear. And in one day, we saw that it had over 4,000 shares. 
and not one question, not one question. And it had firefighters tagging other firefighters and tagging fire departments, but nobody would ask the question, could she be right? And that, that really was when things started to take off and um, we began having a platform through, at that point, Station Pride. And then I had began to go on and get my own platform on social media, Your Turnout Gear and PFOA. Nice little plug there. <laughs> uh, follow her on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, <laughs> now, shortly after this, there was a response from the industry, correct? Oh boy, right after that, within nine days after that initial article, I hadn't seen this response until maybe a year ago, but Lion Gear came out with a series of emails to other um, vendors that they work with, and they were calling for information in case they need ammo. What was so troubling about that series of emails is that Lion Gear at that point in time had no science to base their judgment off of or their statements. What they were using was science from a um, study done on rainware, on Patagonia rainware, not on your technical firefighter gear. And we just saw that, um, that this fantastic uh, chain of emails was just stunning because we were so disappointed in the organization that prided itself on the not in your house, um, you know, mantra of firefighter cancer. And that really was an eye opener. That was one of the many, many eye openers that we'd experienced along the way. Um, but, the, but the real cancer in your gear article then opened up the door for many conversations on Facebook. And that would lead to us soliciting Robert Ballot, um, attorney Rob Ballot, DuPont's worst nightmare. And that came about because after realizing that um, there could be a potential danger to firefighters, we really wanted to know what chances we had, if any, of um, restitution for firefighters because I had by this point already purchased the initial set of brand new never worn turnout gear. And I had been able to um, communicate with a series of scientists who connected me with Dr. Graham Peasley. Dr. Peasley instructed me on how to send him the um, samples that he would test this turnout gear, and I'll provide in our um, in our discussion at later the actual results of that. These results were so shocking that he had to he had to count the fluorine in volume. He couldn't count it in his regular method of parts per million or billion or trillion, um, and that then led me to search for someone that would help us legally. And I Googled PFOA and DuPont and what popped up was 
the New York Times article, DuPont's worst nightmare. After about 160 email attempts to attorney Balot, I partnered with another firefighter with prostate cancer, my friend, Fire Chief Jeffrey Harms. And Jeff wrote a very compelling letter to attorney Balot. And that's the reason that I believe that we have attorney Balot is because of Fire Chief Je Jeffrey Harms. And he's working right now for us. I mean, he's doing a class action right now with the uh, plaintiff being a firefighter. Yes, with Fire Chief, Ohio Fire Chief Kevin Hardwick, also a cancer survivor, also worked in the Air Force with AFFF. And this is exactly why we wanted attorney Rob Balot. Rob Balot then went right to work in 2017 with his 196 page letter to the EPA, the CDC, and the ATSDR, and the US Attorney General calling for medical monitoring and health studies for firefighters. And he still is pushing hard that agenda today. And as you just said, Jim, his national class action for every person in the United States, not just firefighters, every man, woman, and child with a minuscule of PFAS in their blood, he is seeking medical monitoring and health studies for all of us with his plaintiff, Fire Chief Kevin Hardwick. I want to step back real quick because you mentioned before you put out your article, the industry puts out their information and being where I'm located in exotic Beaver Creek, Ohio, a suburb of Dayton in which there's two many large manufacturers right there uh, in my town. I remember talking to these individuals and they said the things, and there's probably people in this room that are listening right now. have probably heard, where they say, ah, well, that stuff is in legacy gear 2015 before, or uh, that, you know, that chemical, we don't use that anymore. We use PFOS and it's safe or it's in trace amounts. So that was, we heard that for years and it's still, I'm still hearing some of that stuff. The trace amounts. Well, that's what led us to the big study. And the big study came after our initial findings with Dr. Peasley. And at that point, he said, Diane, you may want to look further into a bigger study. And at this time, I was still screaming like a lunatic, but gathering a little bit of momentum now. And maybe people were starting to think, maybe there's really something to this. But we needed a very big study. And one of the parties that reached out to me was a firefighter from Northern California. His name is Jeff. Jeffrey Knobby, and he is a PPE specialist. I also had John Marr of Station Pride, and we had Mitch Huner from Chicago Fire Department. And here on the East Coast, we had Ryan Riley, who was the health and safety officer for the Salem Fire Department. We then collaborated and wanted to fund a big study so that we could get 20 years worth of gear to nuclear physicist Graham Peasley at Notre Dame. To do that, we needed money. And for that, I reached out to Kathy Crosby Bell of Boston honoring firefighter Michael Kennedy. And 
Paul and I traveled to Boston and met Kathy one day at Florian Hall, told her what we were up to, and immediately she said absolutely she would want to support our efforts, and she is the reason why we had the study. She's covered all of the commercial testing for us, while Dr. Peasley has literally worked since 2017 um, pro bono on this issue. And that's how we got the study to confirm us, uh, our fears, which were that the gear had not only PFOA, but it had a vast array of other PFAS with the new regrettable substitutions that they're called. And that, that actually hit the, um, the media in 2020. That was June 2020, our study was published but prior to that, we've had a lot of shenanigans that had occurred within the fire service. And um, sadly, it was, it was truly an effort of the previous administration of the labor union that was stymieing my efforts and the efforts of people that were working closely with us to educate the front line on this subject. Um, we would see that firsthand in April of 2019, when Lion Gear would publish all you need to know about PFOA. And it was shocking that we would see that the IAFF had seen this study and supported that there was not enough PFAS or PFOA to worry about. Thankfully, Jeff Kanabi, my partner, wanted to investigate further. And the only way you could see the study is if you called um, Lion Gear. Lion Gear's Andy Schwartz and his team flew to Northern California where Jeff was able to see the study. While there in Northern California during this meeting, a third party would call in and this would be Dr. Paul Krostowski, who was the consultant on this study. The study was done by Exponent, which is a, a, a non-peer-reviewed study um, as opposed to peer-reviewed by the science uh, journals. At any event, Dr. Krostowski would tell Jeff Knobby that he shouldn't worry about the side chain polymers because they were too big to go through his skin. They were like volleyballs and tennis balls. We would see that exact same language in January of 2020, promulgated by the Health and Safety Division of the Shapeberger Administration of the Labor Union. It would be it would happen during a PFAS and T um, toxic sub control substance. Um, agenda that was that was being aired by the aired live by the IAFF and during that I was watching as well as Jeff and Jeff messaged me he said did you see what just happened the tennis balls and the volleyballs that's exactly what they said to me when I had them here at that moment we knew this is so much worse than we thought so much worse than we thought I began at that point a real visceral attack because I felt that 
everyone needed to know what I knew. And I didn't expect that firefighters were as invested in this as I was because I had 12 hours a day to put into it. And I had become like a sounding board via direct messages of people that were questioning, why am I hearing this? Why am I hearing that? Also during that um, presentation, you saw that the IAFF gave credit to Harold Schaitberger for the $2 million NIST study. And I took huge exception to that because the IAFF had nothing to do with that study. It was the advocacy of myself and Dr. Peasley working with Senator Shaheen. And I wasn't looking for acknowledgement what I saw was that that was another avenue of propaganda that the general president could appear that he was on board with this $2 million NIST study that we had advocated for and um, that they weren't even aware of until a week before because they asked you know, who might sign it. And I said, well, I think you should try Pat Morrison at the IAFF, which they did sign it, but they weren't involved until anything until a week before, but they took full credit for the study. Um, at, at, at that point, I knew I had to become very vocal about educating the front line that you are part of a propaganda machine because the IAFF right now is only supporting a non-peer-reviewed study. So in 2020, you are at this point in time, if you weren't crazy, now you're going crazy because nobody's listening to you. You're having, you're having a difficult time. You're shouting from the mountains and just not... People aren't seeing what you're seeing, or they're looking the other way, whatever right. it may be. But you fast forward to really January of this year, and all of a sudden, you actually have some allies. And yeah. and we went to the IFF convention, and, and several things happened there of significance regarding this topic. Uh, there was a resolution 28, which called on the IFF to no longer accept sponsorships from the chemical industry, textile manufacturers, or PPE manufacturers that use toxic chemicals and PPE. That passed in January, 1,536 to 10. That came from uh, Fall Rivers, Jason Burns, and Sean Mitchell of Nantucket, uh, your state. And then uh, along with that, there was another resolution, Resolution 31, that calls on the IFF to actively oppose the use of PFOS and turnout gear and to seek independent testing of PPE currently available to determine levels of PFAS and ability of these chemicals to penetrate the skin. That passed 1,472 to four. And that came from Florida area, which all of you guys and gals are at right now. So, you know, thanks to Ron Glass and those guys that helped out with that. And the other thing of significance is we got a new president also from where you're at. And he's been supportive of this stuff. He's been so supportive, Jim, since 2017, I began reaching out to Ed Kelly and he has pushed me along in ways that um, I have to say I've been um, embarrassed at some point in my visceral reactions to things that haven't gone quite my way. And Ed has 
has completely acknowledged my passion and said, you have got to keep fighting, Diane, because we have got to get to the truth. So along with that, um, after this happens, there's actually some change. All of a sudden, some manufacturers are out there. They have outer shells that are PFAS free. And we, we realize that the only way that we're going to have a fluorine free PFAS free gear is if we change the rules, the standard of, of NFPA 1971, because there's this, this UV light test in there and that's, what's holding up. Basically it's, you have to have Teflon in there and that's, what's holding up having us fluorine free gear. So I know several years ago, you put in a TIA. I did. It did not go anywhere. Um, Correct. And and having been involved in this current process, I mean, it's it is a heck of a process to mm-hmm. even get it seen. But uh, and this is kind of just giving uh, the viewers an idea of what's happening right now. Uh, later on this month in June, um, the NFPA set 1971 is going to be meeting discussing this TIA that was submitted and is actually signed by President Kelly. Uh, and it's going to be hopefully viewed at the standard council meeting in August. And there's going to be an opportunity for public comments. And that's going to be kind of, that's where we can start and hopefully end this revolution to where we actually get rid of the stuff out of our gear. So you'll see it on Facebook and Twitter and MySpace and Tinder and whatever social media you use, it doesn't matter. This stuff is going to be on there. We're going to be pushing for your help because we have to have these comments in that public comment section to really give us a chance because where we had all these numbers in the IFF, you know, 1,472 to four, now all of a sudden these committees, I mean, they have the manufacturers, they have the chemical companies on there. So it's going to be an uphill fight to get this done. I couldn't, I couldn't support your statement more, to be honest with you, Jim. And I want to say in 2020, we did, we did get the cavalry and they came from Nantucket. And I'm so grateful to Sean Mitchell and all that he's been able to accomplish. I'm so grateful to all of the allies. I'm so grateful to all of the messages that come in on a regular basis that people see that the, um, the efforts that we're producing. Um, but truly this is, this is the coup de grace will be to remove that, that fallacious xenon light test that even Jeff Stahl, the chemist said himself back in 2006. Uh, we saw that first xenon light test uh, from 2006. So yeah, that definitely needs to go. So we are knocking on a door, Diane. Yeah. Of finally giving you a break. You know, I, I've read this before where you said you want to get back to your family. You've dedicated over five years to this issue, to an issue that you never should have been, that never should have been in the hands of a fire wife, mm-hmm. your grandmother, and you're taken away from being a grandma a lot of times, dealing with all this stuff every single day, uh, emails, phone calls, texts, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we are that close, a little bit of work will finally get this done and you'll be able to, to be that grandma and to have that validation that you may be a little crazy, but not completely crazy, right? Correct. Right. Correct. So, but, but that's probably still not the end. I'm guessing maybe you'll take a break, but I, I have a feeling that you still want to know 
more answers. We do. I think that the, the fire service is absolutely owed uh, an explanation. We've been pushing for uh, hearings on Capitol Hill with our congressionals. We really are owed to know who knew what and when did they know it. And it's really not enough to write forward-looking legislation to protect firefighters. Who's gonna pay for the turnout gear for the city of Worcester if they need to replace 400 sets of gear times two off the Fall River, who's an environmental justice community? Uh, well, these are the things that we want addressed. And we can't just look at firefighters having um, a closer incidence to cancer because of products of combustion. We really have to look at these products of deception. Perfectly said. So I'm looking forward to seeing you live in person in Exotic Beaver Creek, Ohio. It's a shameless plug for my conference, PFOS Palooza, on uh, Friday, November 5th with Brothers Helping Brothers. Um, and I actually got this done in time. You know, this is Massachusetts and Ohio time. Sorry, Alberta, not Miami time. We actually do stuff in our slotted period. So thank you again, Mrs. Cotter, crazy lady from Massachusetts. We all love you and thank you. And we want to be in this position to where we're actually looking at the possibility of PFOS free gear, if it wasn't for you and just your tremendous, tremendous work. Thank you. We owe it all to my husband, Lieutenant Paul Cotter. It cost him everything. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. All right. And with that now, Thanks, Alberta. you're going to be uh, now doing live questions, I believe. So, all right. Thank you again. And take care, everybody. That's at the symposium.